0: Podcast, A Sports Ethos production where we look at the Seahawks from every angle, every week. I'm your host, Candace Haggins, and you know by now that it's a pleasure and a privilege to talk Hawks with you. So guys, we are in week three of Seahawks football. And it is a really important week three, in my opinion. After the Seahawks had quite the embarrassment of a performance against the 49ers, in San Francisco last week. This is a home game and I think it's important that this team starts to put some things together. You know, there's not a lot of high expectations for the Seahawks, but I just think it's important from a culture perspective to at least be competitive. I mean, it's really hard for your rookies, for Um, for your young players to really grow and develop properly if they're not being competitive, if they're getting accustomed to just, well, whatever, whatever happens, it doesn't really matter. They need to play meaningful football games. And so that requires being competitive. I'm not a team tank person. I understand that some people really prefer the Seahawks to tank, but that's just not where I am. If you're a team tank, then hopefully you were excited by last week's performance because that's the Seahawks definitely look, look. They definitely just looked like the team that was willing to just throw it, throw the towel in. But I believe that they're not as bad as they played before, and I don't think they'll be as consistently good as they were in the first half of that Broncos game either. My guess is we're gonna see some fluctuation in the middle. My hope is that what we saw last week was their floor and that they can build upon this to put some kind of continuity. There's a lot of newness to this team and it shows. And I think that's to be expected, but um, I'm excited about today's matchup. So we're going to get into the preview, go get in and break down everything that's relevant for you to know for this upcoming game on Sunday afternoon. So let's get into it and talk some Hawks all right so let's set the stage for this one this is week three falcons versus seahawks there'll be a three twenty-five p.m kickoff my time but one twenty-five p.m kickoff specific standard time and i think like i said before this is the seahawks coming off of a tough home game loss for the falcons though they are just as desperate for a win they are coming off of a one-point loss to the New Orleans Saints in a game that many argue they should have won and a really competitive game against the Rams. They played the Rams tough as well. And so this Falcons team has come out and they've shown the world that they are better than what was expected of them as they were ranked as one of the lower teams in the league, you know, similar to Seattle, but a lot of them had them played it as worse than the Seahawks. And so these are two teams really desperate for a win. This is almost a must-win for both of them at this point. The Falcons don't want to go down 0-3. The Seahawks don't want to go down 1-2, especially coming after the t- coming after the type of loss. Um, you could say, well, you know, they still have one win. Well, when you lose by 20, <laughs> I think that makes it really it makes a team really desperate and hungry for a win to bounce back essentially. And Seahawks views this as an opportunity to do that. Seahawks, I feel like, are hungry to find an identity. Like I mentioned before, there's been no continuity to this point. And on defense, uh, they're they adapting a new scheme. They're adapting to a 3-4 defense. And there are uh, obvious kinks in that process. The run game has been – the run defense has been absolutely – practically nonexistent. The passing game – has shown promise at times, but the biggest issue has been penalties. And this is a meaningful game for them both. I think for me, it's going to come down to mental edge. Who has the biggest mental edge? Who wants this win more? From a personnel perspective, it's going to show. From a scheme perspective, I'm looking at you, Seattle. It's gonna it's gonna show, you know, how much aggression is there in the personnel, in the play calling? Um, is there really a, a, a urgency to go for it? And I think that's going to show. Now, the Falcons are known to mix up their defensive coverages. They're very multiple. So that's not going to be a question. That's part of their identity. But for the Seahawks, it's a question about, are they going to make the aggressive calls? Are they going to do what it takes to win? And I think the home field advantage will help with that. It'll help the team have a mental edge, but that's really what's going to, what this game is going to come down to. I think these teams are pretty evenly matched in terms of roster. And so it's, it all comes down to coaching. Yes, but the players have to execute. And if the Seahawks want to end week three with victory, they've got to execute over a more consistent period than they've ever, than they've shown to this point. So, There's a lot to talk about when it comes to these two teams. Like I mentioned, they're very similar in how they're both in sort of this rebuilding phase. Uh, The Falcons have gotten rid of uh, Matt Ryan. They've traded him to the Colts. That's not looking great, by the way, (laughs) for the Colts. But uh, they've traded Matt Ryan. Seattle's traded Russell Wilson. They're young. They've got some key pieces. Uh, The Falcons have... You know, emerging stars like how Pitts, um, they've got Cordell Patterson who's really come on for them. You know they've got some talent on their roster. The Seahawks do the same. Quandre Diggs is an All-Pro safety. Unfortunately, we've lost our other All-Pro level safety in Jamal Adams for the year. But you know they Jordan Brooks was an emerging star who had more and Bobby tackles than Bobby Wagner did last year. Uh, but he's been he's really not shown anything in this new. Defensive scheme that they've got him in. Hopefully, hopefully he'll turn that around. But it's not looked good to this point. But they've got other stars. They've got, uh, of course, DK Metcalf. They've got Tyler Lockett, proven players. But you know, outside of that, there's a lot of potential on the team, and it needs to emerge. And this is the first step to doing that. So let's talk some stats. You know, I got you guys know I like numbers. So here's just a few things that I look at when it comes to how these teams match up statistically through week two. Now, that's a small sample size, so that's to be considered. But it is, I think, somewhat significant and worth mentioning. So the Seattle Seahawks rank in 14th in points allowed per game. Because the Seahawks have done a really good job of red zone defense. That's one thing that they pride themselves on. That's one thing that the, that the Falcons have got to watch out for. You know, this defense will let you get yards, but they don't they don't really too often let you get points. In fact, I thought they were going to hold the, the 49ers to 20 points until they got a garbage time touchdown in the last minute. Or the, so I think they just kind of folded on that one. But they were looking like they were going to end this game and just hold them down to 20, which would have been a you know pretty impressive feat given the way that the game went. The Falcons rank twenty-seventh in that, however. So I think this is the team that you can get that you can get points on, at least through week two. And they played some tough components. So just want to be paid fair. Like they played, you know, the Saints, which which we'll see what the Saints become, but but the Saints and of course the Rams. And so that didn't help them with those numbers. But I do think that the good news for for the Twelves. This is, a, this is the team you can score points on. And boy, does the Seahawks need to score some points. Um, that's one of the main takeaways coming off of week two is just that Geno Smith has yet to have a passing touchdown. And it's not for lack of effort or that Geno is just that bad. Geno's had an 80% completion rate, you know, <laughs> for two weeks in a row, which has never been done in the NFL, by the way. But it's also a statistic oddity because he's not had any points to complement that. And Pete Carroll admitted that part of that is because of the scheme. And so they are looking to come out in this game and air it out a bit, give Geno some more opportunities. Because if you watch the All-22 tape, there just weren't deep routes there. One of the factors were not just Geno, but they wanted to protect their two right, or the two bookend tackles, the two rookie bookend tackles against a elite pass rush that the 49ers had, and really, you know, pretty strong pass rush that the Broncos had. And they, they've they held up pretty well. So the Seahawks have confidence now that they can air it out a little bit without Geno getting killed, because I think that was ultimately the concern. But this seems like this is a good team to do it against. At least, like I said, through week two, that's what the statistics say. Now, um, both the teams are 24th, Seattle's 24th, and the Falcons are 25th. They both kind of tied in yards per game, per per play. I'm sorry. They are, But they both allow about six yards per play, um, which is, you know, kind of bottom of the league. So I think that'll be fair game on both. Like I mentioned in Seattle's case, you know, their coverage has been pretty good. If you look at the corners and you watch the tape, but penalties have killed them. I mean, they had almost, or actually maybe it was 100 yards worth of penalties last game. And that'll get you beat every time. So, um, I would say Seattle probably is coverage is likely going to be better than what the stats show right now, but stats don't make it look good to this point. Seattle is twenty four is twenty six actually um, in pass yards per game in general. They have allowed two hundred and fifty seven yards per game and passes alone. Not good, not good. Uh, and we've seen in the and, and we've all seen that right like the like I said it's some of its placement sometimes you know Kobe Bryant hasn't looked good and he's given up some pretty big plays unfortunately for him but he's a rookie and he's trying to learn through things but the good news is for Seattle the Falcons aren't that much better they are better against the pass at 253 yards now I do find there's a little bit more significant because like I said they've had some tougher opponents now I do still question how good the Rams are. I think they're good so that's something to speak for but i I question if they are elite at this point we'll see it's still early in the year but i think they've put some games on display that make it worth questioning anywho um either way none of these teams neither of these teams have done a good job of hitting the pass uh they have also not been well the falcons have been pretty good against the run and they are 15th in rush yards per game Meanwhile, the Seahawks are 25th, and so I think the method, as much as I would love to see the run game get going, which has averaged, you know, barely over two yards per carry to this point, I would love to see it get going in this game, but I don't really know if if they will. I think they'll be better, for sure. I mean, two, two, two yards per carry is ridiculous, so I think they'll be better, but I'm not sure that they're really going to be able to get their run game going. In this game because the Falcons seem to be able to defend pretty well against that to this point, and they've had some you know pretty tough competition. Like I mentioned, the Seattle's task is going to be stopping Cordell Patterson, that's going to be tricky. Cordell Patterson and Marcus Mariota, who showed that he still's got some wheels, um, so he can still get out there and run. And so, they've got to be able to contain him. If you contain him, I think it goes a long way. To helping out with some of those rushing numbers, but also Cordell Patterson is not to be messed with. He can be slippery, and you know, I I think that's going to be a tough task for the Seahawks. So, given these stats, right? What are the matchups to look forward to? I kind of I kind of hinted on it, you know, touched on it a little bit, but you know, I really want to see Puna Ford step up in this run game. It was announced that Shelby Harris will not be playing in this game, which is really unfortunate because Shelby Howard Harris is our best defensive lineman by far. Uh, Puna Ford has not done well this year. I think it's been a pretty disappointing year to him for him to this point. And I just want to see him step up, you know? I, this is a game, right? Be stout in the run game. This is what he got an extension for. That's a real matchup to watch. If Puna Ford can can kind of turn it around and show himself strong, that would be great. It was also announced that because Shelby Harris was out, that Miles Adams, our preseason superstar, <laughs> would also be active. So I'm curious to watch that matchup as well. You know, just the defensive linemen in general, how staff can they beat against the run? It's really important that our linebackers, Jordan Brooks, Cody Barton, are able to free flow and and, and not get crushed by the guards. You know, the centers are basically just been, you know, attacking straight to the linebackers. There's been no, the D-line has has done a poor job at times, really often when it comes to keeping the linebackers clean. And so that's an interesting matchup. That's a tough task for them. If they can keep Cordell Patterson in check, that's an encouraging sign for the longevity of this defense because um, I respect this game quite a bit. Another matchup I'm looking forward to watching is Cal Pitts versus the linebackers. And this is particularly interesting to me because Seattle historically, or at least for the past, you know, three, four years, have really struggled with stopping tight ends. You guys know this. It's been brutal. I mean, George Kittle, I feel like got an extension. Just based off of the Seahawks play alone, sometimes it's just been a tough task with the Rams and Tyler Higbee. and just the, the tight ends have always been a problem for this scheme. Now with this new scheme change, how does that change things? To this point, they've played two tight ends, Albert O from the Broncos, who got 33 yards on five carries. So that's you know that's not too bad. I think they kept him in check. Um, Dwelly, forget his first name, but Dwelly from the 49ers, who is George Kittle's backup, they they gave him one yard. They, he had an explosive play. They gave him a 38-yard play. Uh, that was his only play of the game. So I'm not going to say they kept him in check because they did let him go for an explosive. That was due to a missed tackle, as we've been seeing a lot of those lately. So the question is, though, this is Kyle Pitts. It's not an Alberto, It's not a dwelly right a back up the door to George Kittle. This is probably the biggest test they would have to this point. And Cal Pitts has not come on strong this year. And so I'm curious to see can the Seahawks continue that streak? Can they keep him in check? Or this this do they allow for him to spark? This scheme needs to be able to hold tight ends in check. They cannot afford, especially given the issues they've had in the run game, to let tight ends go off. Um And the linebackers, Jordan Brooks and Cody Barton, need to step up. They've been very poor in coverage. Cody Barton's been better, but Jordan Brooks has been unacceptably poor in coverage. One of the worst coverage guys on the team, on the defense at this point. And so, can they step up? Can they meet the challenge? And I'm not saying, you know, hold the guy to like 10 yards, but I am saying, like, you know, hold him under 40, keep him in check. That's what I'm looking for. If the Seahawks can do that, to me, that says victory. Another key matchup I'm looking forward to seeing is Drake London versus Tariq Woolen. Drake London is, he's shown himself to be quite the talent. That was a pickup that they got in the draft, and he looks very good. He'll be be able to do good things for that team, but I actually feel pretty confident. I don't really have too many questions about if Drake London will be able to go off because Tariq Woolen is one of the freakiest, most athletic cornerbacks you'll ever find. And that guy's on our team. And so I think Tariq will have the speed. I mean, he runs a four. He runs a four to five. He'll be able to keep up. He's got the length. He He's done a great job in coverage. His thing has been, you know, when he gets to the top of the route, sometimes he'll get a little grabby. Sometimes, you know, the Jocelyn, he just he just didn't get... He needs to learn how to get his head turned around a little sooner so that the play isn't flagged. They've made that a point of emphasis in practice. He's a rookie, but he's not, get, he's not getting beat, and that's what you want to see. So I'm not really sure that Drake London is going to be too much of a factor here. I'm more worried about Kyle Pitts and Cordell Patterson than I am Drake London. I think Tariq will be able to hold his own, especially given that he's also playing a rookie, right? And so it's not like... Drake London will have the finesse and experience to know how to take advantage of a rookie cornerback because he's a rookie wide receiver. So that's something I'm interested to see. But on, on the Seahawks side, I think a matchup that the Seahawks can take advantage of from the offensive side is DK Metcalf because the Falcons corners have not looked great. I don't know if it'll be Casey Hayward on DK or it'll be AJ Terrell on DK. Either way, I take DK. It's not. he's not even close. DK is faster. He's bigger. He's stronger. Period. And I think he he's been struggling to get going. They haven't. I, I'm not gonna say they haven't made an attempt to get DK the ball. I just think every time they do get DK the ball, you know, something goes wrong or the play is called back or and they've gotten up a couple bubble screens that didn't go anywhere. That was a, those were intentional touches. They tried to get the ball to DK. It just didn't work out. And even last week, there was a fifty-four-yard throw from Geno to DK. And guess what? The whole thing got wiped out on a illegal illegal downfield. I think oh, well, basically, Abe Lucas was too far downfield. Illegal man downfield was a call, so they wiped the whole play out. So again, it's not like they haven't been trying to get the ball to DK. But I think they see more success. This is a game for DK. I think to break out and have, you know, I think you can get like hundred yards against these guys if they're gonna throw it downfield that's gonna be that's money for DK and I'm just not sure there's anybody on that Falcons team that can stop him and to be fair there's not many people in this league that can stop DK Metcalf and so that's why I'm excited to see that matchup I really want to see him get going title lock it's been you know doing pretty well so far but we need to get both of those wide receivers uh touches we need to get them yards we need to make sure they're still um giving value to this to this because I mean the team is paying them quite handsomely and and when you got playmakers like that who can you can do so much with the ball in their hands, you gotta make sure that those guys have the opportunity. So finally, uh the final matchup that I wanna watch is Daryl Taylor, our well, he's actually technically a linebacker now. Uh edge. And I and I kinda wanna see how he does uh Against Caleb McGrady, I believe, is their uh, right guard. I believe that's who he might be matched up against. So I just want to see Daryl Taylor pass rush. I want to see him provide pressure. He had four pressures in the Broncos game, but some of that was pressure that the Broncos wanted because it was like a screen pass, so they kind of used that aggression against us. I think that this is an opportunity. This is probably one of the weaker O-lines that the Seahawks have faced to this point. And I'm not saying that the Seahawks O-line is just great, but I'm, it's, it's it's one of their best opportunities for Darryl Taylor to shine. You know, to and I don't just want to see him show flashes. He, he's beyond that at this point. Darryl Taylor needs to get sacks. Darryl Taylor needs to learn how to finish plays. You know, he, this is technically his second year because he really didn't play any of his rookie year. So... Even though he's a third-year player, he's not really. But he's just at that point now. He's been around long enough. Daryl Taylor has been great at showing the flashes and being disruptive, at least last year he was. But we just got to see him learn how to finish those plays. This is the time. You can sack Marcus Mariota. Like, that's not not out of the question. And so I want to see a sack or two from Daryl Taylor. I really want to see him take advantage of this matchup. And show that he can still, you know, get pressure. Because if he can't get pressure now, you know, the Falcons have a bottom O-line. So do the Seahawks. But if you're not going to get pressure now, I just don't know how you're going to get it. Like, at that point, you just need to go sit. Another thing I'm curious to watch, and this is not exactly related to his matchup with the Falcons, but I think they really need to utilize him differently. And the coaching staff has talked about that or hinted at it to some extent about how they want to use their guys because Daryl Taylor has been terrible at the run game it's been hard to watch him at the run game I think mean, sometimes it doesn't even look like he's well I'm not gonna say it doesn't like he's trying but he just gets watched completely on those plays I mean he's he's the definition of a liability when it comes to the run game and the reason why the run defense is so bad on this team I I believe it's got like 45% to do with Daryl Taylor because, sure, schematically things could be better. The D-linemen could do a better job of keeping their tackles clean or keeping their linebackers clean, sure. But there are also a lot of plays that even if they had not kept their linebackers clean, the play would have gone nowhere. It actually would have been stuffed at the line of scrimmage. It just happened a lot against the 49ers. The play would have been stuck, stuffed at the line of scrimmage if not for the ability for them to bounce to the outside and get past Daryl Taylor for a big game. And then the linebackers are now, you know, of course, because the linebackers weren't clean, they're stuck on blocks. And so now, you know, it takes a cornerback or a safety getting them down. That's happened a lot. So that's a side note. I'd like to see them play Boye Mafe, who seemed like he looked better against the run, our rookie pass rusher. I think he can do a better job. Uh, The linebacker, Dale Johnson, who they claimed off of waivers this past uh, preseason. I would like to see him. He looked better against the run. uh Really, anybody else against the run, I think, will be a step up at this point. I don't mean to be rude, but that's a reality. So I'm curious to see if they, you know, sort of play with his snaps a little bit. You know, put him down in more pass, obvious situations. If him and Boye Mafé need to switch, that's fine with me. Uh, because I just think he's a little bit too much of a liability for you to continue to put him out there in those exact same situations. So... That's all I've got for matchups. Uh, just a couple of more things I want to cover. And then we'll get out of here. Okay, so you know, you guys know I like segments, right? <laughs> like what's a what's a what's an episode of the Seahawks 360 if there's no segment. And so I thought about this little segment that I'd like to do for the game previews. It's called Three to Fear, Three to Cheer and it's a little corny of a name I'm, that's still in progress but essentially i want to identify three reasons why the seahawks should fear losing this game and three reasons why the seahawks should feel confident and like feel ready to win this game so so first let's talk about the three reasons to fear reason number 1 is injuries i mentioned earlier that Shelby Harris is out so we're not playing him in the run game, did, or any game. The, the game did not look good without him. Uh, he he was missed, and they'll have to figure out how to compensate for that. How, what does that look like? I don't know. But like I said, they got to stop Cordell Patterson somehow. Another question mark that I have is, you know, Justin Coleman. He's still he's doubtful. He's not likely to come back from a calf injury, so they're gonna have to put Kobe Bryant back out there. Does he get any better at nickel? I'm not sure. I don't really think that nickel is a place for him. I actually think they've got him playing out of position. And I think that's showing. But he's going to have to play nickel right now. And, right, and the way it looks, because he's looked so bad, that's a concern for me. Um, I think he's looked worse significantly ever since they put him in nickel. So that's a concern, um, given we don't have Justin Coleman back. And then the very scary one is Quandre Diggs, who is questionable. Quandre Diggs is absolutely needed, 100% needed for this game. And he's questionable. And when Pete Carroll addressed it, he he addressed it in his press conference, and he is expected to play. Diggs is expected to play. But I don't know. It just makes me nervous. Shelby being out. Quandre, I mean, if he's playing, he's probably not going to be healthy, right? And they even had the center, Austin Blythe, on the injury report this week. And he's expected to play as well. He wasn't actually designated on the injury chart. So maybe I'm freaking out about that for no reason. That's possible. But just this early in the season, you just kind of hate to see such important guys on the injury list. So that's a concern for me. I think ultimately it looks like the Seahawks will fare better than I, hoped, than I was afraid of. But injuries are still, they'll still play a role here. Second reason to fear is that I'm really, like I mentioned earlier, the Falcons' defense is pretty multiple. They like to throw different looks at offenses, and this is Geno's first time being given permission to air it out, right? Pete said he'll air it out, but that could lead to a lot of different types of mistakes. Um, My fear is that Geno, he airs it out, right, but then he gets a turnover here or a turnover there, and Pete sort of wants to hold the reins back for the remaining of the offense. It's a little scary that they're going to air the defense out against a team that's so good at disguising their looks. I I think Gino can handle it. Gino is pretty good at, you know, assessing and, and taking what the defense gives him. But, you know, you've never seen Gino play these types of coverages like that either. I don't think he's been tested in that way. And so, you know, Gino throws a few picks and that's it. You know, that's the game. Or two picks. I don't think he'll get to three. But he throws a couple picks and that's it. That's the game. So... That's a that's a reason I'm nervous. And then third, like I mentioned, I'm nervous because of this run defense. This run defense, which does not have Shelby Harris, is dangerous. They sure some of it is schematic, and I think some of that can be cleaned up. It also seemed like there was just a lot of miscommunication going on. It's why well, it looks so bad against the 49ers. And the 49ers have a very elite run game too. So it was tested heavily, so maybe that's some of the worst that we'll see against the run game, but it did not look very good against Jamal Williams either. They did, they could not get that guy down. Jamal Williams, I'm sorry. But they could not get that guy down. Um, he ran for days all over the defense as well. So those are three reasons why I think there is reason to be concerned about the win. But here are three reasons to be confident. One, DK Metcalf. He is him. There is nobody on that team that can cover him. Like I said, there's there's, there's no way. Uh, i think dK is gonna go off in this game I'm just be honest i think he can get a hundred something yards i think he can help get this offensive going i think he might even get a touchdown or two he's going to be the guy and i think he can easily be the guy this is his game he's got his name all over it the other thing is penalties have been the real fault i think of this team defensively especially but even offensively it's been penalties so defensively, the team has allowed four first downs per game because of penalties alone. That's awful. <laughs> the Falcons aren't that much worse off. They've allowed 3.5 per game. But the defense is giving up four first downs alone on penalties. Now, that's opti- it's sure, it's bad, but it's optimistic because if you clean that up, even if you do half of that, Right, That means the defense is getting off the field, offense getting back opportunities, and I think those yards go down dramatically. So that's something that I'm really encouraged about because the guys who are making these mistakes, these penalties, they're young players. They're the young players, and some of these rules and protocols have changed, and they're just adjusting. And I I think it's something that as they get comfortable, they'll get the hang of it. So I'm actually really not that worried about it. I don't know if it'll clean up overnight, but... I think there's a good chance it'll look better than last game, and that's what I expect to see. And then third, the other reason why I feel good about this game is simply because it's a home game. I said, these teams are evenly matched, but the 12s are loud and rowdy. I hope that everybody shows up, and I don't. I don't expect as much energy as there was against the uh, the Broncos. That was, you know, that was an emotional game, it was heavily charged. But I do. want to see something like that where the fans can affect the game maybe get some penalties for the offense you know marcus mariota you can get him you can get him flustered i want to see him flustered i want to see him not able to hear that'll make a big difference that home field advantage and i think it'll help get the defense juiced up get the offense juiced up you know when, when this is team when it's a team that's young not a lot of veteran talent you know, they got to thrive on those home games and take advantage of being at home. If this is a Falcon game, maybe I have more questions, but I feel pretty good about the Seahawks taking this team. And then finally, did I get this be a bonus? I know I said 3 in, 3 to 3 to fear, 3 to cheer, right? But, you know, give a bonus, a bonus reason to cheer. You know, I just think the way that they lost was important. Because They have a couple of winnable games coming up against the Falcons and against the Lions. I don't think either of them will be rollover games by any means. But those are winnable games. And so, I just feel like had they, coming off of that first win, had they either won or been more competitive in the second game against the the 49ers, I just wonder if there would be a tendency to kind of get comfortable, get complacent. Because there were a lot of things. I mean, they won week one. But there were a lot of things to clean up. And those things did not get cleaned up between week one and week two. And granted, it was a short week. But I, I do think that they needed that time. They needed to get embarrassed. They needed to reevaluate this scheme. Reevaluate what's gonna, going wrong. Fine tooth some of those problems. And really understand that something's going wrong here. Right, Opening up the offense more. Those are changes. If they were really going to be successful and grow. Those were going to be changes that were going to need to happen regardless. So better to go ahead and have that loss on week two. Sure, get embarrassed, but come back, learn some valuable lessons, and win the next two winnable games. That's very doable. So those are my reasons, guys. Uh, as you can tell, I feel pretty confident. I've got some reasons to question. Like I said, I do not think the Falcons are going to be just this easy rollover team. You know, I kind of respect what they're doing. They seem to be doing, trying to do what the Seahawks are doing. That's outperforming expectations. But my final prediction for this game is that the Seahawks will win 24-21. So um, I'm excited to see how this matches out. You know, a lot of things to look for. I think we'll learn a whole lot about what this team can be. In week three, so I'm excited to talk and break the game down with you after the fact. In the meantime, be sure to follow me on Twitter at CandaceH901. That's h 901 And be sure to follow the show at Ethos Seahawks. At Ethos Seahawks. So, guys, that's it. That's all I got. I'm out. And as always, go Hawks.